Who never do for do? Yeah, wings with friends. Ah, wings with friends. You got to get the wings to be with the friends. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch, and I am so delighted to be here with a really good friend of mine. Um, I, I, I consider this person a colleague in comedy as I've touched. Uh, cross paths with him several times in the last few years. Please welcome Richard Douglas Jones. Hello, how's it going? How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Things are going pretty well. Can't complain. Uh, RDJ, as I like to call you, I'm very jealous you have a good, like, uh, initial type name that you could be referred to. <laughs> and uh, RDJ, it's a, it's a strong one. My initials are MCU, so I don't think it's as good, like as strong. Like, I mean, I, MC is cool, but MCU. That's the the coolest. It's the MCU is Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's that's all kinds of nerd cred right there. Oh, you know what? Actually, speaking of, you're right. You are the uh, the authority on that. So I'm like, I have no yeah. idea what that is, but I had to feel like it was some nerd stuff. Um, RJ, tell us a little bit about. Tell us a little bit about you and your comedy. Introduce yourself and tell us what makes you so special. Um, I've been doing stand-up for a little over 11 years. Um, I don't know. I, uh, my comedy is about race and politics and nerd culture and just, just life. Wherever I am at that moment, whatever I'm doing, that tends to be a reflection of, of what my comedy is. Um. Yeah, I that that's what I do. I I get up and and talk about stuff and hope that people laugh. That's really kind of all it is. It's really it really is kind of a guessing game. Isn't that always the way though? Right? Like it's like this is what's important and passionate to me right now. So that's kind of what comes out on this stage. Um, right. Yeah. Well, that it should be that way at, at all times with art. Art. Is, is supposed to constantly change and supposed to constantly evolve. Like, no, I, as a comic, I shouldn't be expected to do the same set, you know, that I did five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. No, you got me thinking now. Now you really got me thinking. <laughs> it is funny. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking about what? No, I'm, you're, I'm letting these things resonate. And I'm thinking about 11 years is, is a good long amount of time. Like, how would you say your comedy has like changed or evolved during that time? Um, if I had to pick, I would think uh, my jokes have become, and, and that's a constant battle for me is, is making them as succinct as possible. Like my, my setups have, have gotten a lot shorter like I've, I've learned the value of words and and that you know every word isn't important and uh, you know sometimes I can get you know I can say with with two words what I what I used to say with like seven yeah Definitely. um yeah the the, the punchlines tend to to hit a little bit harder now um because uh, I, I did, you know, normally I danced around things and tried to, to be what others 
were when I first started, people were like, you're too angry. And I'm just like, I, I don't get it. And so, you know, there's that, there's that point where you're trying to figure it out and you're listening to all of the advice and absorbing all of the advice. And from that point, kind of trying to peel off good and bad advice and figuring out who you are. So that I, I definitely came out of instead of trying to figure out what it is that other people want me to be or how to get my message across in a, in a, in a more suitable or less abrasive manner. And I just, I stopped caring about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That is nice. That would be, that would be nice to get to that point too. I, I'm thinking for myself where I'm like, uh, I, I, I'm currently struggling with too many words and what do I want to say about this? I also noticed too, like you, you are, a, you know, you have a really powerful voice. And even if I just think back to our most recent interaction, which was the virtual big pine comedy festival of 2020, mm -hmm. uh, you were on a show. No, I was, I on a show you were hosting or you were on a show. I was, yeah, I was, yeah, I was hosting the show. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I fell out of my chair and I was like, man, like, uh, it some of those punchlines were so good and they also kind of made you think they made me hurt a little. And I was just like, Oh yeah, I love That's that. Kinda, yeah. I love that. I, I love taking people up and through it. Like you gotta, you gotta go on the, on the roller coaster. If I start a premise with something super duper sad and then like the punchline hits super hard, like it, it it's, for me, it's totally worth it to take you on that journey to just bring you down. I'm just like, oh man, his, dad, his, his dog died. And then by the time you get to the punch, you're just like, oh, oh wow. He just, he just did a joke about his dog dying. Yeah, it's fearless and it's, uh, but it's good. It's that sweet, sweet like edge that I think a lot of people are afraid to go there. Yeah. And it's, and it, but it's also true, you know? So that's what I noticed. Yeah. Some of those jokes. I mean, you know, people go on and on about the whole concept of, of cancel culture, but like, there's a way to talk about things that are taboo with, with and, and still finding a way to be respectful. Yeah, I agree, and I think also like if that is your truth, that's your truth. You know, right. like you speak about it. Like I'm not going to speak about it, but I can appreciate it. Um, but that's, that's yours. Yeah. So you are based in Memphis, Tennessee. Are you from Memphis? Yeah, born and raised. I love Memphis. I got to go in, I think it was 2012. Uh, my friends and I went to the Beale Street Music Festival um, and I didn't know what to expect. I was like, okay, sounds fun. But I think I got a whole lot more. I got a lot of history, a lot of culture and a lot of really good music and, it, and an amazing food. And that was the first time I experienced smoked wings and wings Ooh. that were like connected. Oh, you poor baby. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Um, you're also uh, one of the producers and can I say founder of the uh, yeah. Yeah. comedy festival? Mm -hmm. I wanna hear about that too. But first tell me about the wings. What, so you're in like, I feel like wing Mecca or something. What kind of kind they, they take their wings very, very seriously here. It's, it's uh, everybody you meet has a, has a secret wing recipe. Um, and yeah, people smoke their wings here before they, before they sauce them. Yeah. The, the, you know, you put them out on the grill, 
a little bit of barbecue. You know, it's, it's really you, you do the dry rubs. People here in Memphis, we love the dry, our, our dry rubs here. So, yeah, you know, that's that's so, how we do it. So what kind of wings did you get for this episode? Uh, I, uh, OK, so I got a order, uh, a full order that's six wings from a place called Central Barbecue. And I got three that are uh, jerk and three that are honey gold. Ooh, tell me about the honey gold. Well, um, it, as the names, uh, you know, as the name would intend, uh, it, it, it's a little sweet. It's a little heat. Uh, it's a little treat. You put it all together, <laughs> it makes honey gold. So, so is it a dry rub or like a sauce? Or a, a no, no. The honey gold. The honey gold is a sauce. Um, okay. the wings are smoked. Sorry, I'm eating it right now. Yeah, no, that's so authentic. So stereotypical. Um, um, I don't care in this moment because it's good as hell. Um, good. No, the honey gold is a sauce. They get smoked first, and and then they put the honey gold sauce on there, and then they sit it on the fire a little bit longer. So the honey gold is is basically like a barbecue sauce. Yeah. but it's not it, but it's not our barbecue sauce like it doesn't taste like barbecue sauce yeah yeah so i'm that's what i'm trying to get to the bottom of of, of uh you know the gold um in one of the a recent recording they they had a gold and they the restaurant had they mixed some ranch in with the mild and that was their gold i know that sounds weird um I think sometimes they do like a honey mustard in with the mild or the medium. Yeah, that's more of a yeah, traditional gold. Yeah, yeah, that's a more traditional honey gold. <laughs> Your face. And then yeah, <laughs> and then the actual honey. Yeah, ranch. No ranch in the sauce. No, thank you. Um, I think I've done it with um, like when I make ribs. Sometimes it's a quick recipe, but like just add pancake syrup to like a very basic barbecue sauce, and then you get that yeah. sticky sweet kind of um, thing to it. Well, yeah, that's that's what um, uh, barbecue is another thing that they take pretty seriously around here. And um, yeah, most of the bar most of the barbecue places around here, the sauce is like a molasses base uh -huh. versus like Kansas City and North Carolina that have like the vinegar base. Yeah. We have a restaurant. We have a restaurant here that has a vinegar based sauce, and I'm, I I like the meat, but I don't like the sauce. I don't like the vinegar sauce. I love a vinegar sauce. It's not my first choice but like when i'm in north carolina then i will eat that you know but also i think their yeah. barbecue is really good on its own too to where you don't always have to have a sauce but i do like sauce and i will say one of my highlights one of the many highlights of my memphis trip in 2012 was the first time i ever had barbecue nachos at one of the places on beale street <laughs> i don't remember where but it was so good and i'll talk about it every single time uh, barbecue nachos was probably central barbecue I mean, it's very, is it on Beale Street? No. Oh, well, it was like, because we would. And if it was on Beale Street, it was probably Rum Boogie. That sounds very familiar. Was it like on the corner? I don't remember, because I also drank. Uh, it's, either, it's either, yeah, <laughs> the big like ass beer. Straws. Yeah, um, it's either Rum Boogie or it may be Blue City Cafe, one of those. That, yeah. yeah, well, these nachos were so good because it was just like the best corn chips or tortilla chips with a little dusting of sauce and then brisket with barbecue sauce 
and it wasn't brisket. It was shoulder. They don't. They don't do Texas is brisket. You're messing with my memories, RDJ. Yeah. Okay. But the combination, though, it wouldn't have been brisket. It'd have been chopped shoulder. They don't do brisket here. Brisket is Texas. You're right. And then they're more pork. Um. Anyways, the combination of the nacho cheese, the jalapenos, um, and the barbecue sauce was so good. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. um so so anyway tell me a little bit more about the memphis comedy festival because um it's been going on for a few years now um how did that come about like how does one just say we should have a a festival here or is that what happens here's okay here's how the memphis comedy festival started um we have a, uh, a couple of comics in the city we have a friend of ours who uh who who's a magician and he also does he also does stand up as well he does he you know he's one of those that, that combines comedy and, and, and magic uh this guy named larry clark as a matter of fact larry is a professional clown and he used to work for ringling brothers and so he had this whole show and he was going to do a show for the weekend he had a show book for the weekend and then at the last minute ringling brothers called and he was like well i gotta go but i've got this week do you guys want to do it and so a friend of mine uh, another one of the founders uh, Katrina Coleman she was like let's put on a comedy festival I think we had maybe six months to kind of put everything together and we were like how in the hell are we gonna put on a festival she's like I don't know but let's put on a festival it's like but we don't really know a whole lot of -of out-of-town comics and we're just like well we have a friend of ours who just moved to Chicago so let's hit him up and say hey you know, who are some of the comics that we could reach out to in Chicago? And so that's what we did. We reached out to the one or two friends that we had around in New Orleans and everything. And we were just like, hey, come hang out. Let's do some comedy. And the first year we did it, we actually made a profit. And we were just like, well, shit, I guess we got to do this again. And that was like nine years ago. I think 2021 will be 10 years. Oh, wow. That, yeah, I didn't realize it was that long. That's fantastic. Yeah, 2021 should be 10 years. So the first time I met you, and I don't even know if you remember this, but you were in Phoenix. Um, right. And I, I don't know if you, you know, you travel a lot, but uh, it was at an open mic type situation or one of those booked shows open mic after um, at uh, Plasma, which was a really fun rundown gay bar that we used to do comedy at. And um, yeah, I met the, you there. The game show. It was like a game show, right? Um, you know, not. I mean, my memory. It wasn't that game show, but you probably okay. you seem to come to Phoenix like on a pretty regular basis, or you used to. Is that true? Yeah, when traveling was still a thing. I know. I really miss it. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I, I probably talked your ear off for a little bit and then that was it and then the best part about Thursday nights is that where you could go to about two or three different shows like they were they were kind of planned really well that way and you can end up at Stand Up mm. Live or or Crescent Ballroom so I was about to say yeah I remember I think that's what it, the, if it was a Thursday that would have been because yeah I would have come in and have I, I'd have done um this week sucks tonight and we'd have been hanging out at the crescent ballroom and then wherever that hangout spot that you guys go because at like that same night i met like um miranda and the crew from um 
uh, House of Comedy. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is you don't remember when I first met you because it was at Plasma. You were taking oh, okay. the cool kids, the cool comedy kids at the Crescent Ballroom. <laughs> I never went there because I was like, oh, I'm too scared. No, uh, it's fine. Um, but that RDJ is when we I first met you. So I'm, that's what I'm okay. saying. Okay. Uh, but from I'm there, we kept, no, that's okay. From there, we kept kind of crossing paths through like Big Pine um, because you were you were here in town for Big Pine in 2019 mm-hmm. and 18. Yeah, I did uh, 18, 19, and then virtually 20. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. I I feel really proud that we were able to have one in 2020, even if it was virtual. It still yep. it felt like it was in person because we were working our butts off. This was the first year. <laughs> and i was like i'm exhausted <laughs> but yeah it's yeah running a comedy running a com when it's time for the comedy festival everybody in my life knows that for that weekend don't call me don't text me don't ask me for nothing you know where i'm gonna be yeah. so if you want to see me come there how many venues do you do uh, at the memphis comedy festival um we uh for a while it's so weird for the longest time we started uh i think for like our first five years four or five years we only had the one venue uh this this multi-purpose uh building called theater works mm-hmm. uh i think our last the last year we did it let me see theater works high town Big and small room, Black Lodge. I think the last time we did it, we had like six venues. Dang, yeah, it's a lot. Um, I I do miss comedy festivals. I kind of, you know, had the high hopes this year, and then it, you know, it kind of was taken away. But like, yeah. it's so rare to have that time to just really focus on comedy for a week or four days and then be around your friends and get a chance to catch up and like really just dive in like um not only that but one of the things that i love about uh festivals in particular for me it's always just kind of a litmus test to kind of see where i'm you know it's it's kind of a check-in for me to kind of see you know what's hot or you know who's hot or you know what people are making jokes about or you know how do my jokes stand up to to people on a national scale so so yeah Yeah. that's one of the things that I always love about comedy festivals yeah um I really like appreciate some of the like like you but the the friends that I've made along the way and then um what's kind of neat is I feel like the the net is getting smaller in terms of like okay, so these pe- I met this group of people here and I met this group of people here. Now these group of people are over here and it's like, then you kind of yeah, all know each other. Yeah, and the, the further up you go in comedy, the smaller the community gets for sure. Yeah, really. Like, like the longer you're doing it and the further up you go, like you, the, the degrees of separation just start to shrink. Like... I may not know ex famous comic personally, but like three of my friends are like, yeah, I knew that bastard before he even got famous. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you said you were just doing shows in New Orleans or Louisiana just uh, before. Um, So are they pretty like opened up? Is there stuff happening? Like what's the scene like where you're at? I can tell you what it's like over here and 
From what I know. Uh, in, well, that's a couple of questions. Uh, let's see. The first thing, I did a couple of shows down in Louisiana. I had a show in New Orleans, and I had a show in Lafayette. Uh, both of those were very interesting. Uh, I am still not quite ready for the world. Uh, I want to be, but people don't want to wear masks and it's, it's weird. Yeah. And so, you know, most venues I go to, I'm usually one of like two or three people that have a mask on and I usually keep my mask on literally right until I approach before I start telling jokes yep. uh, and I travel with my own microphone if they're not willing to clean the microphone I will stop the show and plug in my own microphone um, but as far as comedy here in Memphis we have two mics and two clubs um, Almost a third, there's a, a venue that is wanting to do more stand-up, but it's, it's all kind of relative because, you know, these days 50 people is a sold-out show. So. Yeah. so, so yeah, as far as crowds are concerned, yeah, no, there aren't really a whole lot of crowds. There, there are audiences, but no, there are no crowds. Yeah. And that, that is the trickiest thing. Cause like, you know, if comedy is all about getting people to come and watch you, you know, you're the, the whole thing just got cut in half. Um, I too, in the, the shows that I've done in the last several months, like, I feel like I am the only one who cares about like touching this mic or I had people, oh, yeah. this one really scared me. And I definitely quarantined for a week, at least after a, a woman after the show. I mean, she was a little drunk. She had no mask on and she was just coming up to me in my face and, Oh, you're so funny. And she's trying to give me a hug and she want to take a picture. And I'm like, Ugh. and then I thought, Mary, don't let politeness get you infected. Yeah, no, I'm real quick to say, get the hell away from me. Yeah. Like I, I, I did a show in the middle of nowhere and, and uh, well, no, it's on the outskirts of a, a town in Arkansas. And again, nobody, no masks, no nothing. And in the middle of my set, people are wanting to come up to me and hug me and buy me shots. And I'm just strong arming people. Like, like, nah, you got to, you got to get back homie. Oh, it is. I, I think it, for me, that's hard. I mean, obviously like you're stronger, you're, you're, you're very, very resolute in that, but I struggle with it because here I'm trying to get these people to like, like me and be my, you know, like follow me and whatever. And I feel like if I did that, they'd be like, well, fuck yeah. But also it's not worth it. It's not worth risking it. I was about to say that's, that's the price you pay. I'm willing, I'm willing to pay that price. Yeah. Well, I just kind of politely step back and I put on my mask and then I also carry my own sanitizer and I'm like to everybody. And yeah, now the, again, like, the mask, the mask comes off as I approach the microphone. Uh -huh. Thank you. Good night. Mask goes right back on. I do not walk off the stage until I put my mask back on. Like I do, I do not play. Yeah, no, I think you got to. And also like, and I tell people, I'm like, I'm trying to like respect the virus because I want to keep doing comedy. I want to, you know, I, I'm like, cool. I got a good opportunity. I'm going to go, but I'm going to be really responsible with what I'm doing. So, um, and a lot of people, you know, they're like, they don't care or they're not aware. I try to make a joke about it too. A little bit of like, hold on, let me clean this. Like, don't get too excited as I wipe it down or I don't, you know, like just little right. things. But yeah, no, I, the last I did, a. 
when I was in New Orleans, I had uh, shows in between the show in New Orleans and Lafayette. So I did a mic and I went in and uh, put some hand sanitizer on my hand and just went in and started just cleaning the mic with my hand. And I looked at the audience and said, uh, unlike the other comics you've seen this evening, I have shit to live for. And so. <laughs> That's great. So, so yeah, there's, there's all kinds of clever quips that you can come up with regarding cleaning cleaning the mic so with that being said i mean that is one way comedy is changing or we're going through these obstacles like i felt like i had a joke expire on stage as you know they called the election i'm like things are changing make adjustments mary like how has the current situation impacted you know your comedy or your voice like how are you feeling about everything I don't know. It literally just changed. It, so, so I have I have no idea. Uh, there will always be stuff to make fun of in politics. It's just that you know, now you you gotta you gotta rework some stuff. I mean, I'm sure Biden has flaws that we'll be exploiting soon enough. Um, some people don't care. It's still hey, it's still motherfuckers out there telling Bill Clinton jokes. So you know. <laughs> It, it, it just kind of is what it is. Um, politics will change and the comedy will change accordingly. That's, that's just kind of a given. That's a really good point. I mean, you're right. Um, what about in the last, just in the last four years? Um, has, that, has that affected your comedy or, or how have you, you know? Uh, it's affected my comedy in that it's made me even more fearless like we live in a world where just collectively black people was just like nah I'm good I'm not here for your shit no more and I'm just like finally I can put this into my comedy now I'm not angry anymore and so so yeah it is uh, the last couple of years have that's where a lot of that um boldness has come from and and that uh you know everybody wants to be out here wiling out and it's just like nah this kind of behavior is needs to be checked yeah i like that just nah nah Nah. (laughs) i'm over like when i first started like that's basically what i had to do like just coming up in the South and, you know, being around the kind of shit that I was around, like there was plenty of times where people would just get up on stage and just say the most vile pseudo, you know, in the, in the, in the pursuit of humor, but it just, you know, just came off just crude and racist and all that other stuff. Cause you know, there are plenty of people that just want to be edgy for the sake of being edgy. And, you know, I'd have to come up after that and, and put their asses in check. And so now, you know, I, um, I I don't run for the door anymore. Yeah. I'm kidding. I never ran for the door. I know, right? <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't running. I was very much let them come, let yeah. them come. Definitely interesting. Thank you for that. Um. Well, let me ask you really quick. I want to go back to wings just really quick. We talked a little bit about your preferences, but I want to run you through. The wing constitution. I want to understand how do you, RDJ, like your wings? Um, so I have a few uh, curated questions that I'm going to ask. Me. So All do right. you prefer 
The drummy or the flat? Uh, the drummy. Nobody prefers the flat. You settle on the flat. What? Hot take. All right. Um, what about, do you, do you dip? Do you do ranch or blue cheese with yours? I mean, I can just to kind of, you know, mix it up every once in a while, but why ruin perfection? So I, I felt like I, you were going to say that because I think that if you have a smoked wing with a dry rub or, you know, like, or a sauce, like you don't need it. Why, you, you know, there's what? so much that goes into that. So like, like growing up for me, whenever we did have wings and stuff like that, like that's how it went down. Like when I found out that people ate ranch, I was like, why wings are good on their own. And then you try other people's wings and you're like, oh. That's why. Do you do carrots or celery, both or neither? Um, if they come with it, I'm never gonna be like, it better be some carrots in there. Uh, but but yeah, if they're around, I'll eat them. Uh, there was a couple of carrots in the wing box that I ate. <laughs> well, your preference? But, but yeah. be, like, do you want the celery? Do you want the carrots? I mean, it, to me, it 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 it. it it's not complete without it. So if you're gonna if you're gonna call it a wing plate, and there's no celery and carrots, you're insulting me. Okay, this is not a wing plate. This is this is a plate of cooked chicken. Okay, so you do veggies. Um, okay, so I think I know the answer to that. Well, maybe I don't. Do you prefer dry rub or sauced? It depends. It depends on the sauce. It depends on the mood. Uh, it depends on how they're prepared. Uh, I can I can do either. I'm trying to get this constitution down and you're making it hard. Um, <laughs> both. Um, okay, I'll do a B for that. Um, okay, I think I know the answer to this one maybe. Fried, baked, grilled, or smoked? What's your your favorite? Uh, grilled or smoked, yeah, for sure. One of the, either, either one of those. Okay. Smoked, if, if I gotta pick, if I gotta pick one, smoked, yeah, okay. for sure. And lastly, how many wings can you eat? I don't know. The most I've ever eaten is like, see, you hang on, because there's two like there's two different types of wings. Like you said, there's the flats and drummies, and then there's the wings like they come here, the whole wing, quarter or the whole. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like drummies and flats, like I could eat those indefinitely, like whole wing. How many would you order if you were walking up to Buffalo Wild Wings or something? If I were walking up to Buffalo Wild Wings and I was going to order some wings just for myself to sit down and eat, I would probably do like a 10 to 20 piece. 20. How many? So then would you say 10 if you're doing, well, like in this case, you did six and that was probably a pretty good meal. Because they're big ass, they're big ass wings. They're not the little bitty, you know what I'm saying? They're not little bitty disconnected drummies and flats. You know, I really appreciate this perspective because you are in Memphis where wings are different there than they are here in Arizona or even LA or the West or whatever. So it's, it's kind of showing me the flaws in my system because I am a little biased or my worldview is a little narrow when it comes to wings. So that's how <laughs> I expand. However, well, I'll defend that in a minute, but if we used your, your personality test, your wing test, you would be a DXV 
BS20. <laughs> okay. So we kind of invented that to be like a personality test. You can put it on your LinkedIn. You can put it on your profile. That, so people know. Like, that sounds like an amazing Pokemon game. <laughs> DX20. That's Pokemon DX20. BS20. <laughs> so that, yeah, that brings me. Um, okay, I'm not good at nerd culture, but you seem to be pretty good about it. Is that something like since you were a kid, you were into like superheroes and stuff or like, where does that come from? And how does that manifest now that you're an adult? Absolutely. It, it absolutely comes from childhood. Uh, as a kid, I, you know, read comic books and, and you know, played with the toys, watched the movies. How does it manifest itself in my adult life? Uh, it manifests itself in my adult life in that my, my child now has a room full of toys that she is not allowed to play with. That's what it that's 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 how it goes down and he's like no these these are not your toys these are these are daddy's toys you can't you go play with your, your shit you can't touch mine because 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 daddy daddy doesn't have toys daddy has collectibles right like do not open that box yeah 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 um it's completely peppered my whole my my whole adult life it is very much a, an identifying marker for me uh not only in my stand-up but just you know I've, I've tried to make it part of my brand yeah um and just very much the the embracing of nerd culture uh hopefully is is gonna get me paid that's <laughs> that's what i'm really hoping for yeah and why not because if he, from my small knowledge of it it seems like there would be a huge market to be more inclusive and go to more diverse with superhero and nerd culture because you'd think so you think so but, but like with every well that's the thing because those are the gatekeepers those are the people that make it uh those are the people that 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 have been given those spaces and those lanes to be created and so why would I fight against homogeny uh, if, if, if I don't feel like I have to? These are the products that I'm producing and they're being consumed. So what incentive do I have to make any real change? Okay. So are you saying you don't, you don't, you're fine now or you or like? No, I'm all about the change. I am letting you know why change is so hard to come by right. in the nerd slash science fiction community gotcha. because straight white men are the gatekeepers yeah so what would you like to see i know you know black panther was huge uh for for that but what would you like to see in the future like ideally you know what what would you like to see i would love to get to the point where we have like a movie or a tv show with an all-black super team and nobody cares like yeah. the first the fact that you have to put labels on the first black so-and-so or the first black this and like yeah i would love to just wake up and be like there's a cartoon with an all-black super team and people be like oh okay super team because right because right now an all-black super team is crazy but nobody says that nobody blinks an eye about the justice league and it's a bunch of white people nobody says shit mm -hmm. gotcha well, I mean, I liked putting things out there and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get there. I didn't have a lot of hope 
until probably yesterday for our country. And I don't mean to be, you know, a downer, but I mean, I definitely felt like I, like yesterday, I felt like really exhale and like, go, okay, maybe we'll get back on track. I don't know. That's how personally I feel. Maybe we'll see. It is still, it is still yet to be seen. Um, we're, we're more likely to get back on track now to be certain. Uh, I think that's part of the, the I, personally, I think that was one of the biggest problems with the previous administration is that people kept expecting Donald Trump to change. People are like, well, he's the president now. Surely he understands as the president, he has to behave this way. And people kept waiting for him to change. And he kept showing them repeatedly that he wasn't going to. Uh, and I, th- I think that was one, really one of the biggest problems with the previous administration. Uh, Joe Biden's got a history of doing stuff like and not to mention the election of Joe Biden doesn't immediately end racism. It doesn't immediately end police brutality. It doesn't immediately end, you know, the, you know, the, the little babies are still locked up in cages down at the border. Like all of that still happening. Like all of that stuff was still happening while everybody was sitting watching the TV for like four days. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm hoping that having a new administration will stop making, I mean, hope people will stop feeling so comfortable in their racism. And I feel like that's where we got to in four years of people just being very outward. No, that's not, that's not going to stop being comfortable in their racism is, is is not going to stop what what you what you should instead i i judge hope for is is a uh, a changing of ideas and ideals because those people aren't going to change uh those people are set in their ways they're not going to change yeah and and expecting them to change is, i believe is an exercise of futility i think the best thing to do is to reset the rules and to move forward and say okay moving forward none of this is acceptable or moving forward that particular behavior or that particular phrase is now taboo Mm -hmm. and understand that fine this is a free country you are free to say whatever you want but so am i right and that's that's really the biggest problem that's come along is that people don't people don't understand that like you know that's a two way street you are free you are absolutely free to say whatever you want but understand that I am also free right. to say whatever I want or to react however I want to your words yeah well we will see it's still super early so um i'm just want to get to um like an inauguration i would like to see a moving truck uh, i want to see what's yeah. next and exactly uh, i'm yeah he's still there he still got the codes he's still got his finger on the button okay. the fence is still up the fence is still up so so yeah, I, I, I may move a little bit more towards optimism and, and, and root a little more loudly for my bison sister once they, they get out the White House. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, so I love that you're able to do some comedy right now, you know, and, and kind of I don't know if it's getting back to normal. But I'm like, for me, I'm grateful to like, oh, okay, a show here, a show there. I'll take what I can get. Um, what do you, what do you hope for 
in the next, let's say one to three years with comedy? Like, what do you want? Where do you want to go? And what do you want to do? Assuming that, you know, the pandemic kind of gets under control and we can kind of open back up. I'm hoping for the same trajectory that I was on before all of this stopped. Uh, you know, bigger shows, um, bigger crowds, bigger venues, uh, a Netflix special, a TV special, something to, to, to that effect would, would, would really be nice. I had a special and shot it, uh, but I wasn't able to do anything with it because the person that was editing got sick. So. I, I kind of I, I like I spent all of my money it took about a year to get through post-production and now I have to basically start back at one because oh. he got sick so so yeah some you know just the same trajectory that I was on you know clubs colleges and, and all over the country that's that's really what I've, I've wanted to do that's really kind of where I'd love to get back to, but I'd love to get back to that place safely. Like yeah. a 2000, a 2000 seat theater sounds great. It does. And you know, the best part about a 2000 seat theater is that when I'm doing a 2000 seat theater, I know that there is at least 12 feet between me right, right, and right. the audience, at least, at least a good 12 feet. What's your, and, and I'm up. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever gotten in comedy or what advice do you give people? The best advice that I ever got in comedy. Uh, the best advice I got in comedy was, was listen to all the advice. I, I, I can't remember the, the exact phrasing, but basically it said, listen to everything. And, you know, when you, the, two things, uh, absorb what you need to. And two, when you're getting advice, consider the source. Ah, good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, consider the source. Like, you can't, you know, pull me aside as soon as I get off stage and want to give me advice, but then get up on stage and just eat shit. Like, you can't teach me anything but how to suck. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that the truth? Um, what? Um, this is my last question for you, and we'll wrap up, but... What, um, in your 11 years of comedy, what has been like your, what was your favorite moment? Maybe, um, you know, maybe somebody you worked with or just an experience that happened on or off stage. What's been your favorite moment in comedy? My favorite moment in comedy. Oh man. Uh, probably the first time when I did the new Negroes, that's probably so far that, yeah, the, yeah, my prayer television debut. That's that's definitely got to be it for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, RDJ. It's been great connecting with you. Where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on all social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at R Douglas Jones. If you're still on Facebook, you can find me. I'm the one with the blue check. Um, yeah, I'm I'm on Snapchat, but I rarely ever do anything on there. Uh, you can follow my podcast, Black Nerd Power, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Um, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everybody for tuning in and again to Wings with Friends. Uh, it has been fantastic and we're glad you're here. Please take a minute and give us a five-star review. Like Wings with Friends on Instagram. We'd, I'd appreciate that so much. Uh, for Richard Douglas Jones, I'm Mary Upchurch. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.